Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Starting Grid Podcast. I'm Room Katie, alongside yours, uh, his truly uh, Shane Holcomb, and today we're going to talk about some Qatar qualifying. Today we have three episodes already locked down for y'all coming up this weekend. We have qualifying today, then we have the sprint shootout and the sprint race, which will kind of group into one, and then we'll have the race recap on Sunday. So there's going to be a lot of stuff going on these next few days. I'm super excited. Qatar, the first race back there since 2021 because of 2022, the World Cup, obviously. So I'm kind of intrigued to see how Qatar can kind of like step up from like the the fanfare they had for the World Cup and see if this kind of just kind of kind of goes on top of each other in a way. So I'm intrigued to see how the rest of this Grand Prix goes. We're going to talk about qualifying today and all that happened. So, Shane, what do you what do you got today for uh, qualifying your initial thoughts? Yeah, well, Rome, thanks for uh, thanks for the introduction. It's it's glad I'm happy to be back talk with you on the podcast. It's been a little bit. Um, I think it's what since since um, since, since Singapore, uh, Singapore it's right? Been a so yeah. it's been it's been a couple of weeks. Um, we're both on our fall break at our respective colleges right now, so a little bit of a um, de- you know decompressing from kind of the schoolwork and everything that the craziness that's going on around us being on a college campus that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it'll be a nice couple of days to kind of just relax, watch some sports and that sport watching also includes a, a formula one sprint race weekend. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, we still got a lot of action, so a lot of competitive sessions to come these next couple of days. And that's what makes a sprint weekend uh, that much more entertaining. So hopefully, you know, F1 continues to invest in them and it looks like they are going to in the near future. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun, uh, going forward here. All right. So, Let's kind of get into Q1 first. We'll kind of uh, tally off who the um, eliminators were. Um, so in P16, we have Logan Sargent. P17, we have Lance Stroll. P18, Liam Lawson. P19, Kevin Magnuson. Zhou Guanyu, P20, which, I mean, for him, it's just not really up to par. And we kind of talked about these backmarker teams pretty much at nauseum this whole time. Like, they're just kind of living towards that back end of the grid pretty much on every race, it seems like. So this is just kind of standard for them. But I don't know, something that kind of shocked me, actually two things that shocked me, was kind of Liam Lawson and Lance Stroll kind of getting knocked down in Q1. I would have thought that Liam Lawson could have at least gotten in Q2 with how much good racing he's had ever since he kind of took over for Ricardo's broken hand issue that he had. And I think it was Zanvoort. Yeah, it was Zanvoort that he had that broken hand. And just ever since then, he's really kind of taken the reins of that Alpha Tauri and just is really doing his thing. Like, I really, I, I, I kind of speaking to the Alpha Tauri team itself, I really don't understand why this guy doesn't have a seat next year. Like, that's how good this guy has been driving that car. And it's been completely different from like what DeVries did at the start of the year, too, if you really look at it from that perspective, right? Like, DeVries only had one race to prove himself, right? Liam Lawson's already got like almost four race weekends under his belt, if you conclude Qatar on Sunday. So I think just from what he's been performing, he's been performing really well and kind of to see him getting knocked down in Q1 is kind of a shock to me, but I could see him with his race pace, definitely get up into like P14, P13, that range by Sunday and Lance Stroll getting knocked down in P17. Like, I I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with this guy. Maybe we believe the rumor that this guy's going to go play tennis in the next few years. Like, I don't even know if that's going to really happen, but Sure as hell seems like it with the way this guy's been driving. And you could just tell he was visibly frustrated at the result. Then cameras got him behind the garage, like just throwing his helmet and his gloves and stuff like that. Like you could just tell he was incensed by how he was performing in that qualifying. So Shane, your thoughts on qualifying one and kind of overarching thoughts on that as well. 
Yeah, I believe you mentioned Liam Lawson, the shock of him kind of going on Q1. I think that's kind of just a testament to kind of how much he's impressed us so far over his first four. I believe now he's racing four race weekends before uh, Qatar. You know, I think this is the first time since that first race weekend back in uh, Zandvoort that he got knocked out in Q1. It's pretty impressive for a guy in Alphatari, one of the worst cars on the grid. Obviously, he's outqualified Yuki Sonoda once in that stretch as well. Didn't do it so today. But, you know, it just, I think, speaks character to the fact that we now expect so much of him. And the fact that we're sitting here saying that this is a disappointment is kind of crazy, in my opinion, because let's not forget this is one of the worst Alphatari cars in that franchise's history. I mean, this, this too not not too long ago, this Alphatari was running the race. I know it was a it was kind of a fluke race in 2020 with Monza and Giragassi, but this is a team that won a Grand Prix. So, like, this is a car, and this is a sister team of Red Bull, who's obviously doing all the right things this season that probably should be higher up than the constructor stands right now, and they're just not. Um, we'll see if they can not finish bottom. I think they have opportunity to these next couple race weekends with Sonoda and Lawson, kind of that one-two punch, and they can, maybe can get a sneak in a P9 or P10 in there. But with Lance Stroll, I mean, this is kind of just what we've come to expect now. I saw a stat today, Rome, on Twitter. Lance Stroll's last seven qualifying results. Do you want me to read them out to you right here, Rome? Yes, please. Hungary. Hungary, P14. Belgium, P10. Okay. Zandvoort, P11. Zandvoort, P11. Not terrible, but in that Astomar, not good. Italy, P20. Singapore, P20. Japan, P17. Qatar, P17. Now, if I'm doing my math right, Rome, that's three out of the last seven qualifying sessions that he's out uh, able to make out of Q1. Only three. When Fernando Alonso still hasn't missed a Q3 session this whole season. So, that's you know, you, you want to talk about dominating yeah. your teammate. Alonso was over a second faster than Stroll in Q1. Try to comprehend that. Yeah, and this guy still has a seat in F1. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's I don't not think for long. I don't like, think that's, for long. Like, he won't. Like, at that at this rate, like Daddy Stroll's got to get his like butt up <laughs> out of there. Like, I swear. Like, it's <laughs> it just has to be said at this point. Like, he has to pull yeah. the Doc Rivers and Austin Rivers in this whole situation. <laughs> like I've been saying for the past few months now. Like, it just has yeah. to be like wiped and ready to go at this point. Like, I don't understand where this direction is going and Lawrence is like oh yeah we're fine with 10 teams on the grid and we're not happy with Andretti being 11 on the grid focus on your own team focus on the fact that your son is not driving the way it should be and you have to separate the the difference between father and son and owner and driver at this point I just think that that's what has to be said I think the dynamic just needs to change there but I don't know, man. This this whole Landstroll situation is just continuing to get out of hand as these races go on. So it's just kind of getting wild. But anyway, let's get into Q2 now. Now we're going to get, in, again, rattle off the Eliminators for Q2. In P11, Yuki Sonoda. <laughs> in P12, Carlos Sainz. In P13, Sergio Perez. Ooh. P14, Alexander Alban. P15, Nico Hogenberg now. Like that is that is like kind of weird just to see that. Like that is just I don't even know how to, to comprehend that at first. Like we I think we have to talk about you know Carlos Science first. So we'll get to Checo in the moment because I know you're gonna grill me about Checo. I know you're gonna grill me. I just can see the playbook already. Well, let me just get the science first. Let, let's just handle the housekeeping mm-hmm. stuff first before we get into the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. All right, yeah. So I think Carlos Sainz just – I think this is frankly very shocking to me because this guy has been – we've sung his praises for the past few weeks now. 
this guy's been driving the hell out of that car. And to see him get knocked out in Q2, again, just not really what you want to see from a guy like him. Again, maybe he could redeem himself in the sprint shootout, but I don't know. It might just be that, like, the fact that those two tracks, Monza and Singapore, were kind of tailored to his driving skills and maybe Qatar isn't. Or maybe we just haven't seen the best of him yet, and he'll just kind of do his thing and get a top five finish in the sprint by by Saturday. So, I yeah. mean, this is kind of shocking to me, just off the rip. I don't know if you want to talk. I don't. I don't know if you want. To yeah, I think Sainz was the was the huge shocker, especially because I know it's uh it's one practice session and it's so it's so much unpredictability on sprint weekend, especially in that first qualifying session on that Friday. You know, mm-hmm. we just kind of never know what's going to happen behind Max and Red Bull. So, uh, Carlos Sainz, sorry, he was P2 in that first practice, in that only practice session, three-tenths off of Verstappen ahead of his teammate, Leclerc, and uh, obviously ahead of everyone else except for Max. So this is a guy that put in a really good lap time in, in FP1. And Quali just didn't look up to par, you know. And it's a shame because, too, we've sung his praises, and rightly so, obviously, with that win in Singapore, the only race win this season that it doesn't have a Red Bull car attached to their name, which is a great accomplishment. And we kind of have been saying his praise on this podcast these past couple weeks. But, you know, that's a guy now who, ever since we've called him the face of Ferrari, has gotten beat by Charles Leclerc in Japan and looking like he's probably going to get beat by Leclerc in Qatar. So it's almost like science hits, you know, a peak of his career. I would say that Singapore win, in my opinion, is more impressive than that Silverstone win. That's just my yeah. That's that's my opinion. I don't even think it's quite close, too, because I mean we've seen the Red Bull domination this year. It's unlike anything we've ever seen. Yeah. So the fact that he has a win in this in this calendar season is very impressive. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of like the 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 story with Ferrari is just inconsistency, I think, you know, right. and it's up down, it's 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 a lot of plus, you know it's a lot of valleys. It's a lot of, you know, peaks and valleys. And there's not really that plateau that, you know, Ferrari, would, Ferrari needs to bring back the world drivers championship, the Chuckers championship days. Um, so yeah, it's a shame for science. I think it's the biggest surprise out of all out of, you know, the Hulkenbergs, the Paris's in the world. Um, but yeah, what, what are your, I guess, what are your thoughts on uh, Sergio Perez? Cause you know, everything seems to be like Red Bull, at least the PR wise, you know, they, they're, they kind of, they're 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 feeding Perez like he's he's a he's a kid that you know he's the favorite child you know other than Max you know like the like, silver spoon type thing like with Daddy Stroll they're they're giving they're giving Checo all the good meals you know they're not saying <laughs> one bad thing about him but I mean just analytically Rome do you want me to read you a crazy stat fine give I, give I, it to me give it to me all right so not only has Max outqualified Sergio fifteen to two which is tied for second uh with most domination uh, just behind. Alex Albon, 17 nothing this season. Fernando Alonso, with 17 Q3 appearances, has more Q3 appearances. This also speaks to the, 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 the lack of performance from Lance Stroll. So Fernando Alonso obviously has made Q3 17 times a season, every single time that we've gone racing. Perez and Stroll have a combined 16 Q3 appearances. How about that? No way. Yeah, I just think Perez has kind of been inconsistent this whole year, especially with qualifying. Okay, this might be a big call, but, like, in my opinion, like, 2024, it seems like Checo's going to be in the car. I've kind of accepted that. I guess Red Bull have accepted that. I don't know why. 
because I think they have a more talented driver in Liam Lawson on their hands, so they could just or even Ricardo too. Ricardo could get could well, they, they could, but listen to me. I if I was Red Bull, I had the choice, you know, of Sonoda, Ricardo, Lawson. Give me Liam Lawson in that second Red Bull seat right now, in my opinion. I don't. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's that's kind of a stretch. I mean, I, I believe me, I love Liam Lawson and the way he's been driving that Alpha Tauri, but. When you're when you're driving for a continual world drivers championship and constructors championship team, there's this pressure that comes with that, especially as a rookie mm-hmm. going into it. And we don't know if he'll get phased by the moment at that point. I just don't know if that'll really be a fit for him as of right now. But maybe like two or three years down the line, once he gets his feet under him and like really knows how to drive an F1 car, then I think and then I think Red Bull kind of pull the trigger on that decision and put put him up there pretty soon. But once again, speaking to Checo Perez, I mean, I don't know what is going on. I just like, I, I honestly, I just feel betrayed, honestly, because like, betrayed, I, that's crazy. I, I, I just feel betrayed because the fact that this guy just is, I, the fact that this guy's in a Red Bull and he's I like, you def- I mean, you're his biggest fan. You, can you even defend him anymore? Rome? I, I don't know how much longer I can. I, I honestly don't know. Maybe it's just these first couple of weeks that I've been out of the podcast. I've not been in my Paris uh, <laughs> element, but yeah, I honestly don't know with him anymore. Like, I mean, again, like I keep saying on these episodes, he'll turn a P12 or P13 into a P5. Yeah, yeah that's not max for Stappen level. Yeah, that's not one twos every race level. But it's still points. And we have to take that into yeah. account here qualifying doesn't mean nothing at this point. It just means that you, well, what, what position you have on the race on Sunday. All that matters is what points you get on Sunday, because that's what goes on your docket for the world driver championship. So I think like, yeah, he's not been the best qualifying driver in the world. Of course, like everybody knows that. And even I know that, and I'm a Checo Paris truther, but we really have to look at the race pace and you could just tell it that him and that Red Bull are really cooperating in terms of race pace. And I think well, that Red Bull is cooperating in terms of race pace. I didn't, you put anyone in that car, they they go up the grid five, six spots. Like that's just yeah. But Checo's still a good driver. He's won races in that Red Bull before. We we keep forgetting that. We keep forgetting. No, he has, he has. But he's made he's made some costly mistakes these past couple of race weekends. You know, the five second penalty in Singapore, the five second penalty in Zandvoort. Obviously, withdrawing not to his fault, but didn't what didn't get to you know finished the race in Japan, somewhat his fault, somewhat not, you know, retiring twice. Um, but, you know, this is a guy, at least qualifying-wise, it's a concern because we know Rome, and that's what makes, I think, a little bit more disappointing for me. As Because, like, like, I, I I genuinely want to root for the guy because, like, he's, like, a good, I feel like it's good for Formula 1 because right. he brings all the Mexican audience in. It's kind of like what UK Sonora does, obviously, with Japan. But, like, this is a guy who should have more than two pole positions this season in that Red Bull car. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I think it's been like a weird season for him, and I think Warner sees that, yeah. and he's probably like, okay, like how can we kind of? It's like night and day. Like, it's like he, it's like he turns on a switch on Sunday, which is great because that's one of the yeah. That, that's 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 my whole point is that he's absolutely horrible you, you qualifying, but he turns the switch and just absolutely goes. Yeah. And gets you can only improve. You can only improve so much. You can only go, you can only go up the grid so much. So if you're starting from say a P13, you know you can get to a P8, P6 maybe. But that no, but that's he gets into P5s enough. at that rate. I think it was like in was it Spain where you got like a P12? Yeah, and you got to P5. Like he yeah. can do that. He can go higher than a P. No, he can't. That's still not good enough. Though. It's not good enough. 
Yeah, we all know it's not good enough. Like, even yeah. I can say that's not good enough, especially with yeah. the fact that Rebels Rebel at this point. But well, thank you. Now, now we, uh, now we've got. I mean, some, now uh, I can at least come to my senses. But watch it, him win a race, and I'm going to be back it's on you again, and he'll win a race again. So. Yeah, no, that's yeah. You know, we'll see how that happens. But anyway, now let's get in on to Q3, which is the final qualifying mm. session of the day, of course. Yeah, and we're gonna go from ten to one. <laughs> P10, Lando Norris. P9, Valtteri Bottas, good for him in that race. Esteban Ocon, P8, Pierre Gasly, P7, Oscar Piastri, P6, Charles Leclerc, P5, Fernando Alonso, P4, Lewis Hamilton, P3, George Russell, P2, and of course, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Max Verstappen, takes his 100 million thousandth pole of his career. I mean... There's a lot to kind of take from this. Like we all know, Max is Max. Like we could just get that out of the way first. I mean, we don't even need to talk about that. I feel like the thing I do want to talk about though is Mercedes because the fact that they were able to pull off of two three in that qualifying is huge for them. Like so so massive because they have not done anything throughout this year that's been memorable except for like a couple of Lewis Hamilton podiums and like George Russell having decent ish races here and there. Like they had, there has there hasn't been something that they've like really hung their hat on, and this qualifying result is what they hang their hat on. I mean, granted, it's kind of at McLaren's discretion because they both drivers got nicked with track limits. If they weren't nicked with track limits, they probably would have gotten a P two and a P four respectively. So then again, it might have changed a couple things. But regardless, the result is the result, and you got to give it up to Mercedes and that crew over there because they really did a good job of really putting those guys in the right position for the first time in a while. Because like there, there was like no strategy, no direction as to where this team was gonna go, and I feel like now they're like, okay, now we have some confidence. Now we can breathe a little bit. Now we bring this into Saturday with the sprint shootout and the race, and then we can build on that on Sunday. So this is just gonna like build on top of each other. We'll see if they can actually hold it though. I I don't know if they will, but I think this is a good, definitely a great start for them at least in this weekend for sure. Yeah, and you know we see this throughout a lot. Uh, seasons with Mercedes, even in their, you know, dominant days where they were winning, you know, constructors as their constructors title is they got better and most teams do, but especially in Mercedes, the car developed and we, a lot of people are talking about McLaren, rightly so, you know, and because they made the, the most seismic jump, but like, let's not forget about this Mercedes team. Like th- th- these guys are the second best, in my opinion, you know, you know, you talk about McLaren all you want. But like it's still Mercedes who are right behind Red Bull. Like they're they're the front runners. If anyone's gonna catch Red Bull in the next couple of years, and especially, you know, if there's gonna be someone who catches Red Bull next season and challenge them for their constructors title, I think it's Mercedes. And because it's that, you know, that really good one-two punch with George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, that's something I don't think Red Bull quite have. We talked about that just a little bit ago. But obviously, when Max is putting out on pole. 10 times in a set already in a 17 race season and he's winning almost every single race as well. It doesn't, I mean, we took, I, I, we talked about the stat uh, last weekend around when you were away, Max would be leading the constructor championship by himself right now. So it, it doesn't matter. Absurd. It doesn't matter how consistent Mercedes are. They can put all the podiums out there. They can put all the two threes, whatever you kind of combination you want, but if they're not getting race wins, doesn't quite equate to what you know total and company quite want to bring back to that factory in, in, in Brackley, which is a constructors yeah. championship and their ninth constructors championship as a, as a team. Yeah. Well, I think you kind of have to look at it. I mean, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, like based on the circumstances that they have, 
with Red Bull yeah. just absolutely cleaning the floor. Like, this is probably the best performance they've had in, like, what, five, six races ever since Hamilton mm. got that podium. I think it was in, like, Silverstone or something like that. Like, there has, like, again, there hasn't been something that Mercedes hangs their hat on. This is yeah. the moment where they they hang their hat on at this point. So I think there's a well, lot to take from it. Mercedes have been very good at um, the back end of races to this season. You've seen them. I mean, you saw, you saw, I think, a most evident in Singapore where George Russell and Lewis Hamilton were fighting for that win. So even though they're in P3, I believe in P4, maybe George Russell was in P2, I forget. But, you know, they were behind Carlos Sainz and their, their car was so much faster on those soft tires towards the end of races. You know, they they're those two drivers are very good at, at, at lower at, at keeping tire degradation not as much of a problem as others do and at low fuel situations on mercedes is very fast still that's a, that's that's a strength that they have but it's the fact that they haven't been qualifying that well this season specifically lewis hamilton in my opinion and, and even george russell the guy who people have quoted as mr saturday and his young former the one career hasn't been doing an active of a job in qualifying which yeah. doesn't set you up for a great race on Sunday. You can only catch up to so many people and so many seconds in that Red Bull. And, you know, the best way of trying to win the Grand Prix, as Carlos Sainz did in Singapore, is be on pole. Because if you're not on pole and Red Bull is on pole, you're not winning the race. Right. So, like, they've got to do more of those. Like we saw with uh, Lewis Hamilton, and I believe it was in Hungary. Uh, that was kind of their highlight of the season so far, his right. pole position there. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, it's looking like another double podium for Mercedes. It's, I, if it, and, it, and I wouldn't expect anything different. That's what I would expect um, mm-hmm. on Sunday. So that's what they should be aiming for. And it would be interesting to see the dynamic between Russell and Hamilton because there's always that you know, question of who do they favor in strategy-wise. But um, I still think, you know, obviously Hamilton's the number one driver there. But, you know, Hamilton's quietly outperforming Russell by miles yeah. so far this season. Yeah. I, I, It's... It's a pretty big gap if I, last time I checked. So, yeah. um, you know, obviously I believe Russell finished above Hamilton last season in their first year together. But, you know, Hamilton's bounced back in a good way. Obviously, that's not equating to race wins, but right. there's only one other team not named Red Bull and one other driver has a race win this season. So mm-hmm. it's not like he's failing. It's just he's kind of, you know, right now this is kind of all he can do. He doesn't really have a car that can challenge Red Bull, right. you know, so – yeah, it's, it's, it's sorry, I'm a long game at this no, point. I, I just really like talking about Mercedes because well, they're obviously because you're a fan. Spot. I mean, we all know that by now, but like, I mean. yeah, they're in an interesting spot right now because they're it's almost like you know they want to focus on these last couple of seasons. Obviously, they've had so much success in Sao Paulo over the years. That could be a spot where maybe they snatch a race when you just never know. Weather yeah. conditions there are always a little bit iffy as well, ever so changing. But their focus should be on 2024 because yeah. this is a side. That you know, it's been two years now since the since the regulation changes, and you want to see teams starting to catch up to Red Bull, and they haven't so far. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I mean, we we could just have him host the whole episode on Mercedes, and we could just call it a day. I mean, at this point, yeah. he's been rambling about this team. I mean, understandably because you're a fan, I respect mm-hmm. it. So anyway, let's get into Alpine. I mean, if yeah. both guys getting in the top ten, like was it P seven, P eight? Great stuff from them. We haven't. We haven't given them props at mm-hmm. least because they had they've struggled mightily in the last few races, but this is one of their really really highs for them. Getting both guys in the top ten, both of them drove really well throughout the qualifying session. So to see them get both of those guys get a top ten result is huge. Now will kind of the DNF demons kind of be on them in this race again and just kind of 
do their thing or will they finally be exercised and both those guys can finally finish a race? I feel like that's the biggest question for me, at least, especially throughout the rest of this weekend as we go on with the sprint and the regular race on Sunday. So I think it'll be very interesting to see what Alpine does in the future. And especially of course of the ownership of Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney coming in as well should be big, but Shane, what are your thoughts on Alpine and like, will they be able to kind of expand on this further throughout the rest of the weekend? Yeah. Great performance for them. You know, they're going to be P seven P eight, I believe for the, for the, for the grid on Sunday, you know, yeah. this is a, this is a team that really needs results. Um, especially because McLaren has taken such a big leap over them, you know, and that I guess you can call it a midfield battle. Uh, after Aston Martin, Merck, Ferrari, and Red Bull, of course. But yeah, it's it's honestly it's it's positive because there's always seems to be this tension with with the, these two you know French drivers, and you always knew there would be because of the competitive nature of these Formula One drivers just in general. And yeah, on top of that, that these guys have been racing each other ever since they were kids, you know, in the right. same country, obviously in the same region as well, France. So yeah, it was always going to be a little bit chaotic. Obviously, losing a bunch of personnel. You know, Otmar is over at Columbia University just chilling right now in New York. Yeah, he's doing his that, thing. But... Props to Otmar, bro. He's yeah. really maximizing his exit from F1 for sure. <laughs> so he's just kind of living his life right now away from the chaos that is in Alpine. But for a team that has had so much, you know, movement, I applaud them for, the, you know, kind of staying consistent. I know they had a bad – I believe the first race where, you know, after Otmar left, they, they had a pretty bad race. I forget what, which exactly it was. And obviously they've had – race weekends where they had two different DNFs, which I, I think when that happened, it was like the first time in like a long time where Alpine had two DNFs. You know, you talk about consistency. This is a team that has been consistent these past cool seasons, you know, best of the rest champs in a couple of these years, obviously some race wins as well uh, with Esteban Ocon. So it'll be interesting to see um, what happens down the line. But, you know, ever since kind of the change to Alpine's name from, from racing point, it's kind of been like, did they have the, they already had their ceiling, you know, they, they can't really go any farther than what they're doing right now. So yeah. they're just kind of a midfield team. That's the reality of it. Obviously Aston Martin's development hasn't helped them. You know, McLaren's development hasn't helped them, but they're just kind of, they're just kind of showing there right now. And honestly, my prediction right now, if you take, sorry. My prediction right now, if you take Merck, Ferrari, Aston, um, and, and yeah, McLaren out of the equation. I think Pierre Gasly finishes. I know that's a lot of teams, but I think Pierre Gasly, you know, finishes in maybe even the top five, top six, top seven. If he if he, if he just finishes tops, if he, if they finish seven eight, that'd be a great weekend for them. Right. But I don't I don't much see on Happy because it's like it, it's kind of where they have been for a while, and it's yeah. like, can they go any farther than that? Um, but they their their goal should be kind of catching up to McLaren for next season. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that as well. I think, you know, both those drivers have been performing the best that they could with the circumstances they've, that they've been dealt with, kind of a la Mercedes as well, as we talked about before. So, all right, now let's get into our final team of the day, McLaren. I think, you know, granted, they like I said before, they would have gotten a P2 and a P4 if it wasn't for track limits. So, again, like FA is being very ticky-tacky over track limits, which we understand because it's kind of been the narrative this whole year so far. So I feel like the biggest question for me, which I don't think is even really like that, like it is, it isn't, it isn't even really that hard to answer. Will Will McLaren be able to jump that grid and get into a top five finish? I think they will pretty easily, unless something magically happens where where one or both of them are out with a DNF. 
I just think, you know, how that car has been driving throughout the whole weekend so far, I just feel like they're on an absolute heater right now. And they have been ever since Silverstone. And they're just going to continue to maximize on that throughout the rest of the year. And I, again, I think both drivers will kind of stay in that top five finishing area, which we'll get into our podium predictions in a second. But I think it should be very interesting to see how McLaren does the rest of the way. And I, I think they'll get it. Both of them, both of them will probably be in the top five. It's just, I think that that's how good they've been driving throughout the years, especially after Silverstone. So your quick thoughts on McLaren before we get into our podium predictions. You're on mute, bud. I've got a lot more confidence in the likes that uh, Norris is going to be able to pass, you know, the guys in Botas, Ocon, and Gasly than I do that Piastri can pass the Claren Alonso challenge for podium. But, like, they're probably going to be in that four to six range, I say, for Sunday. It's unfortunate, obviously, track limits. It's a part of the sport, though, and it's a part of, you know, the rules. You can't put off four, you know, all those tires on the on those white lines. So it's, 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 it's a part of the sport. I would look at, you know, just, I guess, an early prediction for not necessarily the race on Sunday, but tomorrow, the sprint kind of shootout and the sprint race. I think McLaren could be a, a threat in, in, in the sprint shootout for a pole. And, and if they kept the pace of the did today, maybe there, I say, get a sprint race win. I know it's not a Grand Prix win, but it would be a big momentum uh, changer for this, something for this team to take out of this weekend, especially considering them, they, they, they probably won't be challenging for a podium on Sunday, which is okay. But, you know, I think they could be a friend tomorrow's uh, sprint Saturday, you could call it. Yeah, and I think considering that both of them got a double podium in Japan a couple weeks ago, I think that kind of just really puts them in a good position to really maximize their talents and really continue to kind of keep pushing at this point. Also, before we get into our podium predictions, shout, again, shout out to Valtteri Botas, man. Yeah. He was been putting these random like P9, P10 performances in there. So mm-hmm. I think hopefully, I think just, I think it's a matter of him just kind of assimilating with different tracks and how he'll perform well. I feel like it's, I feel like it's just that type of season for him. Cause like a lot of the tracks he hasn't been performing well at. And I think he had like a P10 somewhere like in the past few weeks. And then obviously with Qatar as well. So he's been putting off these one-off performances. I mean, shout out to him, but I just don't know how long it'll last. Cause it's Valtteri Botas we're talking about the end of the day. So anyway, just quickly, th- quick thoughts on Botas before we get into our predictions real quick. Yeah. So I mean, it's a guy who's, Gotten some slack from us, you know, and rightly so. His performances haven't been amazing since he made that switch uh, from Mercedes to Alfa Romeo. But it's like, you know, he has enough for Mayo, not a great car. And he's out driving his younger teammate and Joe, who a lot of people have a lot of praise for. So it's like, you know, he's up there in age now, too. You know, this might be one of his last seasons. If not, you know, I could I could see after 2024, Valtteri Bottas potentially walk away from the sport. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's definitely getting close to retirement. Um, but he's still putting in, you know, these points finishes. And I think I can respect him for that, especially not being in a top five car. Yeah, I definitely respect that too. So, all right, let's get to our podium predictions. The one y'all have been waiting for. I'll start mm-hmm. first. I'm going to go P3. I'm going to go with Oscar Piastri. I have faith in the dude. He pulled off a podium in Japan. There's no reason why I can't do it again. He's in a decent position. I mean, granted, it's going to, I think it'll be pretty easy to overtake Leclerc, but. I think trying to overtake Alonzo is like trying to overtake 99 overall Patrick Beverly in an F1 car, essentially like the Alonzo is going to defend like his life depends on it. So it'll be tricky for Piastri to kind of get past him. But if he does, I think he has a good position to get into a P3 and P2. I have Lewis Hamilton. I really feel like he's destined for a decent drive in this one. I feel like, you know, 
going off that pole position in Hungary, hopefully he'll be able to get that confidence back, especially with qualifying P2 and in, in, or P3, excuse me, in Qatar. So definitely, definitely in a good position to be in a P2 spot. And in P1, the man, the middle legend himself, Max Verstappen, we don't even need to discuss him and all his greatness because we already know mm-hmm. it by now for like the 100 million thousand time at this point. So anyway, P3, I have Oscar Piastri, P2, Lewis Hamilton, and P1, of course, is Max Verstappen. Shane, what do you got? Yeah, well, you said we don't talk about him enough. You know, like, I, I, I want to give, like, one of my final thoughts of this podcast on Max because, like, we don't mention him a lot. Like, on this podcast, we kind of, you know, it's, you know, say it in an intro, you know, whatever kind of number pull, whatever number victory he has. But, you know, we're, we're witnessing greatness right now. We're right. witnessing all-time greatness and something that we were not going to witness for for probably a long time, uh, maybe even ever again after Max decides to call it quits. So, like, it's a guy obviously just had uh, – just turned uh, 26 a couple of days ago. You know, I believe it was Saturday. So, you know, going to clinch the World Drivers' Championship tomorrow, which is kind of funny and ironic because he just can't seem to win a Drivers' Championship in, a, in, not, a weird, in not a very confusing and weird way. And I, mean, I remember last year, but they had, like, the, the World Drivers' Champion, I believe, chair in the, in the back room for F1, and he was confused on if he won it or not or – it, it might be the same way tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Spring, right? It'll be funny to see that. But um, yeah, I guess my question would to you be what 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 happens to George Russell? Does he does he does he just kind of crash out on turn I one? Because I'm... you know what a lot of Twitter fans are saying, right? At this point, George Russell's job is on Sunday to to eliminate Max from the race after the first quarter. That's what his job is. Oh goodness, that'd be hilarious. He's done it many yeah. times too. He's he's yeah. known for that. He's known for somewhat reckless driving. Yeah, and he's he had beef with Verstappen over like some type of like weird corner. Mm. I don't, I forget what race it was, but they had some like kind of argument like on the yeah. on the park fairway. I think after a race, I I forgot what it was, but mm. yeah, it, it's George Russell's destined to kind of get in his head a little bit and just kind of do his thing. But I mean, I I think it'll be interesting to see how Russell does tomorrow. I think it'll be. I think one of two things will probably happen. He'll probably either get a P4 or he'll kind of DNF from the Grand Prix. So that'll just kind of be my thing on that. But I mean, this is going to be a fun race weekend, guys. Stay tuned. We got some great content coming up for you guys. We will see you tomorrow for the sprint shootout and the race. See you later, guys.